0: G'day and welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson, CEO here at Next Agri. I've worked in livestock research, farming and breeding for over 25 years. I've been very fortunate to see a lot of amazing places and meet a lot of wonderful people throughout that career. I'm reminded every day of just how awesome the livestock industry really is. It really is a great pleasure to bring you the stories and wisdom of the people in the industry via the Head Shepherd Podcast. This podcast is supported by our good friends at Orflex and MSD Animal Health, who are guided by the one mission of the science of healthy and productive animals. With these two companies now combined, they have one of the widest product portfolios in Australia, with a comprehensive lineup from the Cooper's range of animal health products through to the ID and monitoring solutions that Orflex are famous for. The products are all backed up by their exceptional service, and we're thrilled to continue to have their support in bringing you this podcast each week i could ask a couple of small favors before we get underway this week if you could rate this podcast in the app that you're listening to it in that would be fantastic also if you know someone that you think would enjoy what we do here please share the show links with them finally if you are listening to this podcast you're probably a big fan of livestock farming we're setting up the next in Agri hub to be the home of livestock farming conversations check it out at thehub.nextinagri.com. okay it's time for this week's guest Welcome back to Head Shepherd. This week we've got Georgia Pugh, who's just joined the Next Gen Agri team. Welcome, Georgia.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, good, Georgia. You've uh, recently joined the team here at Next Gen Agri, which is awesome to have you on board. We might just start with your background, as you do, as to where your career and, I guess, life has taken you up until now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here and part of the team. Um, I, I come from a background... Um, farming in, in Western Australia, um, grew up on a family, mixed family farm down near, down the deep south, down near or Albany in Western Australia. And we, we've got a farm there with today um, 1,200 head cattle and uh, 400 stud gilby cows and about 12,000 sheep, mostly merino. Um, we cross those with some white suffolk. Um, and yeah, we farm about 4,000 hectares of Narrakup and Cranbrook in Albany. Um, so the family are back there on the farm. I, I'm, I'm based out of Perth, but I, I visit the farm and, and maintain involvement, um, and I always have. Um, but I suppose, yeah, I, I grew up on the farm and went and did ag science, at UWA and commerce, and I've always been passionate about, about farming and, and helping farmers um, become the best that they can be. And, um, yeah, really excited to be part of the Next Gen Agri team to, to sort of bring my unique skill set to the table.
0: Cool. So obviously between study and now there's a, there's a little bit of a gap um, and I guess more recently yeah. with what was authentic and and before that some yeah, more business stuff. Just want us to run through yeah. some of the, I guess, the various roles you've had.
1: Yeah, so um, I studied commerce and ag science and I did honours in, in meat science back at UWA but I, I really felt that I needed to develop my, my business muscle. Um, felt like my AG muscle has always been really strong and, and always been something that I can fall back on and, and it is my passion but I wanted to really work on my my business muscle when I graduated out of uni and I went and did a graduate role at PricewaterhouseCoopers Cooper's and, and really sort of dug into the advisory kind of business world there um, with a particular focus on research and development consulting. Um, that journey was was really interesting, but working for a massive company like that, um, it really taught me that you know I want to have a, an impact on, on not just skimming the surface of multiple businesses, but you know really helping um, improve and have an impact on on one business or and supporting businesses more closely. Um, so I moved into to sort of a food and agri sort of big food company um, in a commercial sort of analytical role um, where I could really hone my my sort of business skills and budgeting and finance were were my main kind of focus in maximizing the the operational efficiency of that company and doing that in both Perth and in Melbourne um, for, for a period of time. And and after that bit period, I, I really felt that I'd built my business muscle up and wanted to, to go back to my passion and apply those skills, which is when I, I joined the Authentic team, which was was a really um, great period and and I learned a lot about the cutting edge of sort of ag tech and environment and the environment and innovation in agriculture so learning a lot about you know what are the new trends what are what are startups and what, what do they mean to agriculture and 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 how can we as farmers get more involved in in technology and innovation to to improve and and, and become more efficient um, and through that time there yeah I really felt that I did enjoy working and learning about that space, but I wanted to apply those skills not just to the corporate sort of ag, um, startup world but to actual farmers and wanted to go back to, to my roots and, and help farmers on a day-to-day basis, which is, which is why I've since joined the team at, at NextGen Agri because, yeah, my passion is helping individual farmers and bringing those business skills and my learnings about the, the sort of ag tech kind of startup realm to, to the table.
0: Yeah, cool, man. Definitely uh, loving having you on board. I guess for those, I guess some of our listeners out there uh, will be in your in your shoes as you were as a grad, uh, I guess any advice as to sort of how you've run your career and anything you would do differently or is it, has it all gone to plan?
1: Yeah, um, there was definitely a, lots of twists and turns in my journey and my career to date. I started out as a, you know, about to graduate from university I wanted to always be a farm consultant and I went and spoke to a number of farm consultants back then and and just sort of asked them what's what do I need to do to, to get into that space because I, I noticed that graduate roles in in on farm consulting were, were pretty far and few between um, so my, the advice I was given I've always kind of lived by which has been you just got to do anything and, and learn and and become and build those life skills and get as many experiences as possible because all of those skills and that diversity is really going to make you, you know, a more well-rounded human and, and able to to learn and and, and apply those skills in different scenarios. So I, I, that's why what I really sort of focused on for the first sort of period of my career was was really just identifying what were those areas that I wanted to work on. Like I said, the business arm for for the first part, um, apply, going and seeking roles in those areas. Um, always being mindful of what my passion is and what I wanted to go back to and keeping those that long-term goal and, and short-term goals kind of close at hand because, you know, knowing what your long-term goal is and what you need to do, what are the stepping stones to get there, um, I think really helped me um, in, in taking those steps and, and being confident when I, you know, made that decision to, to move on and, and keep going towards that long-term goal.
0: Yeah, no, excellent excellent thoughts. I guess in your in a lot of those roles and even your can't roll, there's a fair focus on on understanding the future or at least trying to. What are what are your predictions for what's gonna happen in the next ten years? <laughs> or whatever time very frame you're good you question. Want
1: really? Um, I'm really passionate about helping um not just those that have already Kind of got their head in the you know the the techy kind of cutting edge science um, aspect of agriculture, but but really bringing on the the, the laggards I suppose in in the, the ag, ag industry. Um, so I use my own family farm as an example. Uh, we're, we're at the moment, we're I suppose a little bit behind the eight ball because we're just mainly paper based or using old systems, and really trying to to help the family business sort of move towards more of a, a tech data um, direction in in our in our on our farm property, and and you know we're setting up um, some farm management systems and individual data management a bit more accurately and a bit more to make things a bit easier there. Um, so I'm really really keen on on driving that that initiative forward and, and using our heads, not just our hearts, to, to make decisions. Um, and you know I see that as being a really good stepping stone for for all farmers. So it's to get to that baseline point, so that we can be ready when things like um, you know, robots and facial recognition technology, and 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 all the the exciting things we hear about in agtech are, are are actually ready and cost effective to use as part of everyday farming. Um, because if we've got that baseline, if we're there, poised, ready to go, we've got the got the data, got the system, got the processes sort of set up, then when farming does you know become logical for all of us to be using tractors to. To spray our crops, um, sorry, robots to spray our crops, then then we're ready to go because we've got that baseline data, um, and and the same with animals. If we've got that track record of of having that data and transparency on farm with our individual animals, then when when the the world becomes um, when it becomes paramount to have data farm to table and you know consumers are wanting to to know how an animal was raised what it was treated with where it's from you know know that about every single piece of steak they eat then you know we as an industry are ready to 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 go once we've done that that baselining of our of our data collection
0: and i think that's that's a good point yeah it's often technology often isn't going to come in and and take us from zero to a hundred. It's going to be those that are already at 70. It's going to lift them, lift them that, that, that last bit by helping improve the accuracy or improve the frequency or, um, or the ease of which we can collect that data. But if there's no data to base it from, it's, yeah, it's not going to, those aren't the farms where technology will go to first. And we're sort of seeing that ourselves with Gene Smith. A lot of the people we're looking to partner with in our. In our facial recognition technology, those that have already got EID or already might be collecting some of the information so that we're not going from, from base level. We're actually, and, and I guess that's what's happened across time in agriculture. People that are out in front, uh, stay out in front because they're always grabbing the next technology and, and moving forward with it. We're pretty passionate about helping. Yeah. Like you say, helping people move from, from the, from the 50th percentile up into the 60, 70th. So they are better, better able to to grab some of that technology it's uh it's gonna be cool having you in wa it's a place we haven't we've been keen to have have a staff member and haven't managed till now so it's awesome to have you there um part-time initially and while you get your own breeding program underway but uh hopefully (laughs) more more full-time as we as we go through the years
1: yeah terrific and the other thing that i suppose doing this, this due diligence work as, as an industry in the data space and, and, you know, as you said, moving from the 50th to the 60th to the 75th and the 80th percentile, it's, it's just going to unlock so many opportunities because, you know, it's not just the efficiencies on farm and the profitability on farm, but it's just going to help with the consumer demand for our products. And, you know, we're competing more and more with new and emerging sort of alternative spaces. Um, and, you know, if we have that that data and, and, and those processes in place, then we're able to, to be agile and, and build our business case as an industry, like, you know, sustainability is becoming more of an issue all the time. And, and, you know, we need to, to have the data and the, and the, and the, the processes in place to, to be able to act and be ready to address those conversations head on and, and become the solution to sustainability conversations rather than the, the ones that are always blamed. Um, and yeah, I see data and science and and those moving into the, you know, the more uh, sort of cutting edge sort of spaces of using technology and data um, as being you know the leaders at at sort of driving that conversation.
0: Yeah, cool. The obviously we do a fair bit of genetics, and you've been interested in genetics for a long time with the with the Galbi Stud. How's is it Summit Galbys? How are they going these days?
1: Yeah, good. Um, Yeah, I mentioned we have a a Gilby stud in in Western Australia, the family um, 400 um, in the studs. um, And, yeah, I believe we're one of the biggest Gilby studs in Australia. Um, The the stud sort of started, um, and this comes to my my background, I suppose, about being, being, being sort of really passionate about science and genetics is um, my father, back in the early nineties or mid nineties, did a, a, a trial on the farm where he was like, you know, he was brought up with you know the Simfords. That was kind of what his father did, and 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 what they they had, they had a Simford stud, um, Simmental Hereford, and and you know he sort of went, oh, I'm sick of the eye cancer, and and really wanting to to sort of try something different. So so what he what he what he then did was was went and got um, genetics from lots of different breeds and did a, did an AI program. Um, so he went and got, you know, I think two bulls, uh, semen from, from, from two bulls from each breed, all the, the breeds you can think of. He went and got the, those straws and, and did an AI program trial on, on farm one year back in the nineties. And, and, and that's when, you know, he identified the Gelby breed because he was comparing all the mainstream breeds and, and he had one, um, Gelby bull that, bred like the crappest calves out of that trial, and then one Gelby bull that that bred the best. And that's when, you know, we we sort of started that journey as as developing a a Gelby stud, because we identified that, you know, one bull that could breed the the best animals in that trial was the bull that we were going to sort of focus on using as the baseline for our stud and and move forward with our journey of having a, a Gelby stud. Um, so that kind of was like the roots for, for the girl we started and where sort of the passion for genetics that sort had of came in for me, <clears throat> And, um, you know, we've come a long way since then, as I mentioned, with 400 breeders. But, yeah, I think sourcing genetics from far and wide has always been key to our success. Um, You know, lots of family business trips to to the US and Canada um, to look at the best Gilby genetics um, and and bringing bulls back with us, um, bringing their semen back and running countless AI and ET programs over the years and, and really focusing on you know, moving the needle and and using traits to to drive our our genetic decision making, um, and having the the commercial sort of operation um, has always been the, the the key driver behind our our Gilby stud. So we we always talk about traits, not breeds, on our farm and with our cattle. And um, you know, we use the Gilby the stud as like the, the sort of the back sort of core but we we go and source angus genetics we go and source you know we've thrown in some limo we've thrown in some blonde we've read angus murray gray over the years like shorthorn we've done everything um but whenever we see an, an area where we want to work on a on a trait within our commercial enterprise if the Gelby can't provide it we, we're, we're always happy to to go and pick other bulls to, to sort of keep building on the hybrid vigor and and growing and improving the genetics in our commercial cattle
0: yeah awesome and that's yeah that's a a really great background into what we exactly what we're trying to do at, at NextGen is to help people navigate that process and not be too wedded to what the breed name is, or uh, and more focus on yeah, what where the value is and what what's required rather than worry about what it's called necessarily. I think we get we see a lot of lot of opportunity lost by um, not being willing to a few things together and, and get too tied up in tradition i guess and that's something that we we'll probably never get accused of but um but yeah great great to hear how you've applied that there in uh, in the great southwest of, of wa so in the beef game eating quality is obviously uh, a high priority for many you've got a bit of a background doing an honors with pete mcgookus back in the day looking into eating quality and beef
1: yeah, eating quality and beef has always been something that's been really important to our cattle enterprise, and and you know I, I was always really interested in, in sort of learning more about that when I was studying ag. I, I wanted to, to do my honours with Pete McGilchrist back at, at Murdoch, and and we we tapped into uh, um, some MLA data, MSA data, um, looking at the meat quality of animals just going to abattoirs from across Australia. Um, and you know, really trying to understand what was was driving the the the, the um dark cutting in particular, um, the it's, the it's dark cutting, and and at the time it was really topical. Um, the, the ban to the live shipping and, and the impacts on, you know, where people were sending their cattle to to be to be slaughtered, and and the you know cattle were travelling twenty thirty hours by truck to to get to abattoirs, um, and and there was a, a significant um, play out in the, the, the dark cutting, um, of those animals. Um, so really looking at that data to, to sort of understand and validate that, you know, stress and transport, um, was, was, det- was declining the eating quality of those animals and, and, and trying to understand and communicate that through, through the research project to, to sort of hammer home the importance of temperament and, you know, looking after the animals and, and selecting on genetics to, you know, reduce the stress levels of those animals to, um, obviously improve the, the eating quality. Um, and, and the other interesting part of that project, I suppose, was that, um, you know, this is, there's a lot of data out there in agriculture that's not used and, and, you know, MSA sort of data is often unutilized. and, And that was just one example of a research project where, you know, we were just using industry data to, to do a research project, um, um, you know, because that data was just kind of untouched. So um, I think data is is definitely knowledge and and that's just, you know, one unique example of, you know, using that data to sort of come up with answers and, and help you make decisions on farm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I guess that sort of brings us really to your current role, which is probably a bit hard to define right now, <laughs> which because we all do a range of things, but I guess, We're looking forward to using your skill set to, to bring a bit of rigor around some of our business processes, but also around business process of of our clients and, and I guess getting into the physical benchmarking of what's going on using that data to inform future decisions across our, our client set. So we're really looking forward to having you in that space as once you get a few of the things under control that we've, that we've thrown you. But, um, yeah, I think it's. It's awesome to have your skill set in, in the company and, and great to have someone with such, I guess, knowledge of WA and, and being as well as nationally. Um, but, yeah, great to have you over there and we're really looking forward to, to uh, seeing where we can go with, with you on board.
1: Terrific. Yeah, I'm super excited and look forward to, to meeting more people in the network and, and working with, with some of you going forward. So thanks a lot.
0: Cheers. Thanks, Georgia. Thanks for listening to the Head Shepherd Podcast. If you enjoy listening in each week, please take a moment to subscribe or even give us a review, that'd be fantastic. And if you do get a moment to share it with your networks, we'd also love that so that we can share these great stories with more people. Thanks again to our friends at Allflex for sponsoring this episode. Allflex are wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries. Combined now with MSD Animal Health, they offer one of New Zealand and Australia's largest livestock product portfolios focused on animal health and management, all backed up by that exceptional service. We really do enjoy our long-term association with Allflex and thank them very much for, for again supporting us with bringing this podcast to you.